Happy Friday. It's August 26, 2016. This is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. And I'm here with Laura Redman, who is our Deputy Digital Director. Happy birthday, Laura. It was Happy her birthday, birthday yesterday. And Aww, we've, been, we've decided it's going to be a week of celebrations. Yes. We're going to be drinking and eating donuts and cake all week. This will uh, be a fun podcast then. Yeah. We also have here at the podcast Lily Marcus, who's a contributing digital editor for us and a writer, and David Jeffries, who's our editor for Service and Surveys. And the topic of the day is going to be, as I try to scroll my laptop screen to see the topic of the week, friendliest cities and unfriendly cities. So we had two lists come out. They came out this week, um, last week. The week of April 9th, we had the friendliest and unfriendliest. April 9th. August. August 9th. Woo! <laughs> All right, started. Party. Should we just Spring start to over? summer. <laughs> we are not starting over. Happy birthday it's to happy me. Birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. Uh, I don't yeah. know, this month sometime. Yeah. And the first list was the friendliest and unfriendliest cities in the U.S., which is always very controversial. Mm-hmm. And then we... In, we for the very first time we included the U.S. in our world list, so we are pitting U.S. cities up against some of the friendliest and unfriendliest around the globe, and uh, U.S. fared pretty well. Well, before we get into that, there's a couple things I think are useful to lay down. First is the like, where does this list come from, David? Maybe you can speak. <laughs> this to that. comes from the annual survey. It is one of the main criteria that people vote on for cities. This is our Reader's Choice yes, Survey. Yes, Reader's Choice Awards. They vote for things like arts and culture, a list that I've just delivered to you, which will be forthcoming. Yes, very soon. It's a nice list. They vote on food. They vote on shopping, shopping, hotels. transportation, hotels, and they also vote on friendliness. And friendliness is an odd. Yeah, how does that get thing characterized? Does the survey characterize it, or does it leave it up to the reader? It to leaves decide? it up. It's, it's on a scale of one to five. So you're really looking at somebody's emotional experience when they visit somewhere, which I like. Um, and the results show some interesting well, I, I, data. What I love about this, it's really not just about the people, it's also about how convenient is the city, how accessible yes. is it, is it clean, do I feel safe? If Am I'm I s- lost, can I find my way? Right. Um, it's the real nitty gritty, it's not, every time I'm outside the building, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> getting a breath of fresh air. Right. Yeah. Actually, that, I think it's the exact opposite of a breath of fresh yes. air. Yeah. I don't um, hear the sarcasm at all in that I am, right now. I am stopped by people asking for things. Uh, today, somebody asked me, how do I get to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which is a long way away from here. Mm-hmm. And they were very grateful that I told them how much it would cost in a, in a cab. But the nice thing was that how they... How did you know how much it would cost in a cab? Well, you can you guess. just guess? Okay. Yeah, right. 25 bucks. That, that sounds I have no pretty idea. friendly. Well, they came up to me, and I was on guard, as New Yorkers are, mm-hmm. and they said, are you from here? And I thought, uh-oh. What's yeah, happening? what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? What do they want? Yeah. But the minute they asked a specific question, I was fine with it. It's the random questions that I don't like. Well, that's the thing, though. I actually don't know how much a taxi costs to get anything because I press a button on my Uber, and then I just pay for it. So I yeah. think I would be the wrong person to answer that question, unfortunately. I would, would I judge my experience in New York based on an interaction with you? I'd probably judge it pretty favorably. And I think a lot of people had those experiences in some of the cities. I thought you were going to go the other way there for a minute. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that's the first interaction that a lot of our readers have and a lot of the reader comments that we parse through, because we parse through a lot. You know, there's yep. 
20 cities in our U.S. list. There are 30 in our global list. And a lot of people are responding to their interactions on the street, their interactions in restaurants and pubs and museums and any as you know, basic shared as spaces. checking into a hotel as right. well. I right. Mean, that, Service was a big thing. Service is a big thing. Mm-hmm. How you're treated at a restaurant is a big thing. I think here's the first of my theories. On the list of 20 cities around the world... Well, you're jumping the gun. I'm jumping the gun here because this is a big fact. Uh Only two are over a million in population. Mm. And both of them are in the South Pacific, Sydney and Auckland. Mm. All other 18 are under a million. Really? So So it's a little bit of the small town charm, so to speak? I think it is. And my second theory is that big cities, Tokyo, London, Paris, New York... Which are not on these lists. Which are not on these lists, but people love going to are places that people enjoy going to because they're unfriendly. Mm -hmm. There's There's a a little bit of an edge. Well, there's anonymity, too, and sometimes you don't want to interact. You just kind of want to... Right. You know, do your thing and in France particularly do you uh, want to stop a French person and ask them for directions well no. I mean I, I, yeah. I do want to get into the nitty-gritty of this a little bit and take issue with some of that but first can we start with the US list because that came out first and okay. can we just walk people through what's on the list mm-hmm. you know you can go to the site and find this it's the 2016 friendliest and unfriendliest cities in the US but since we're talking about them what were the friendliest and unfriendliest cities in the US and we always count the list down by friendliest first right we do friendliest first, and we count down from 10. Okay. We mm-hmm. want to build the drama. Yeah, we like drama. We love it. Drum roll. Friendly drama. Drum roll. Shall I do it? Yeah. All right. Number 10, Burlington, Vermont. Lovely. Yeah, Up and lovely coming. town. College town. College town. Young. Uh, the live and let live feel is what people yeah. called out. And I, I won't, you know, we can talk about each one, but let me run through the list real quick, please, and then we can please, dissect. Please. Um, number nine, New Orleans. Oh, wow. All the way at number nine. Number eight, Jackson, Wyoming. Not to be confused with Jackson Hole, which Uh I think a lot of people do. Uh Yep, Yep. Jackson, Wyoming. All right. Number seven, Asheville, North Carolina. NC on the charts. NC on the charts. Uh, What? And you're allowed to go topless in Asheville. Fun fact. Okay. That did not make it into our You're also allowed to go topless in Brooklyn, I would just like to point out. Oh, you can't? Well, in, a bunch of people I do. A, I learned a lot from Prospect Park this summer. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> okay. All right. Number six, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Okay. Of course. Number five, Austin, Texas. Can't have a list without a little Texas representation. Certainly, certainly not. Number four, Nashville, Tennessee. It's Num- the music. Oh, it, it, yeah? Yeah. It's oh, I have feels about Nashville. We can get there. Yeah. Okay. Number three, Savannah, Georgia. All right. Number two, I love this one. It's curious. Park City, Utah. And number one, once again, Charleston, South Carolina. Well, you can't beat them down. Yeah. No, they (laughs) they top top it year after year. I have read recently, though, a couple of satirical articles about people from Charleston who live there and work there and are a little overwhelmed by how much attention they've gotten in the past couple of years. How much attention have they Well, gotten? for instance, the, the horse carriage trade, which people from Charleston apparently don't like. It is a bit archaic. We've had the same issue here in New York with the horse carriages mm-hmm. in Central Park. They want people to visit, but then they want them to go home. It's I a mean, general consensus. It's like, don't... But how many places can you say that about? How many places around the world make a lot of money from tourism, but at the same West, time don't want... 
tourists taking over everything. Santorini. Yep. I mean, you could say that about a lot of places. I mean, if I judged all of Charleston by the cast members of um, Southern Charm, which I do because I love that show, they're amazing, but maybe not the friendliest people. (laughs) But they do. They're stereotypical in terms of Lily Pulitzer. You know, they wear that, which most people down there don't wear. Well, so are you think? Do you think that the ratings are coming, or, or can you discern whether people are reacting to the real deal? I mean, I assume that these survey takers are people who are, are, tra- are they're actual visitors. These are yeah. people who have actually been there. They're not reacting they're to stereotypes they're, and, and they're yeah. well the traveled. Part. I mean, yeah. they are going to a lot of places. They have opinions about these places, and it's a second, third, fourth visit, not necessarily a first visit. And I think, you know, Charleston's making good press for all of its its yeah. food scene right now is awesome. Its architecture is fantastic. People are coming from Europe just to go to the deep south, so to speak. Yeah. We had an article about that earlier this week, and they're going to Utah. That's why Park City is so high up there. They're going not only for the film festival, they're going for skiing. They're also going off-season, which isn't really off-season anymore, but in the summer because it's a beautiful place to be. Right. And it's half an hour from Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to get Salt to. Salt Lake's an easy place to get to. Yeah. It's clean. It's and a, crisp. Gr- a great it's airport, too. Great yeah. airport, If you're going to yeah. fly in or out of somewhere, Salt Lake City is reliably short security yeah. lines, really organized, really easy to get through. Yeah. I you think know. that all factors in. And all those things are more important than people think, you know, the ease of getting in and out of a yeah. place. Especially if a place becomes a regular destination, that's definitely something you take into account. Yeah. Well, people liked how Park City was a little more casual than some of the other mountain towns in the area and, you know, across Colorado, Wyoming. They, you know, if it feels a little more... Well, Aspen is so hoity-toity. Yeah, and Vail is, 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 well, in in its lovely way, hoity-toity. But it is apparently, I have not been... uh, Laura's been. It's it's fancy. It is fancy, and we live in Manhattan, so, you know, it's, that's fancy. Yeah. It takes it to a new level. It's very Mariah Carey. Yeah. <laughs> it's Hamptons <laughs> West, right? If yeah. I knew that, I would have gone so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> what are the surprises on the friendliest list that you just read off? For international? No, no, no. My, for oh, the list for, that for Laura just US? read. Yeah. Um, nothing in the West. Nothing uh, in the West. Right. For, no California. There's no California. For Santa Fe. There's no California. No, there's no California. That it's is far, interesting. The far, furthest west we get is there's Jackson, no Wyoming. Portland. There's no Seattle. No. Yeah, Portland and Seattle don't have a million people, right? Nope. No, no, neither no. one of them, nope. right? Mm-mm. Even San Francisco doesn't have a million nope. people. Mm-mm. Although I think most people would probably count the Bay Area. Yeah, not which is about just three million. About, yeah. yeah, but it is surprising that you don't see these kind of places, and it's surprising that you don't see even a small place like Carmel, which is fairly has right. that small town vibe right. and has been. Getting a lot of good attention. And lately. our readers love Carmel, too. Yeah, they I mean, do. they talk about it all the time. I think we have a lot of readers on the coast, I will admit. And I feel like some people aren't used to just like a friendly smile, nod, and people talking to you on the street. In the cities where that's happening and where that's commonplace, it's, you know, it's not surprising that, you know, six of these are in the south, right? Let, mm-hmm. let me double check yeah, the map. Yeah, Burlington but, to New Orleans. Yeah, and I think, I think with in. the size thing, there's also. No matter how nice a person is, maybe you have the world's nicest restaurant server, but if there's an hour-long line to get in, if there's a lot of pressure to turn over tables, like if people are taking too long to order, all of that stuff factors in. And I don't think it's necessarily about specific people as much as it is about the culture of the place that you're in and how many other travelers and locals you're competing with to get access to things. It's intimidation. I would be intimidated right now to go to San Francisco and have a great meal Mm. because of the competition there. And where do I have that great meal and how long do I have to wait or how mm-hmm. long in advance to look at Napa and Sonoma? I mean, how long do you have to wait to get 
restaurant reservations. So I think the cities that pop up are the cities in which you don't feel that pressure. Although I will say, I don't know that that holds true with a place like Charleston, because I don't think that the Charleston restaurant scene, aside from people's mannerisms, I would say, I would say you get lots of places in New York or in San Francisco where you have staff that are ready to engage Mm -hmm. and ready to sort of be more fulsome in the way that they treat you. But it's a different tone to it than it is in Charleston, at least in my experience. And I think down there, you know, Fig is crowded every night. Like you cannot get, you you either make a reservation in time or you're going to be standing online. And if you try to go to the bar even a little bit early, it's going to be packed. The same thing is true of Husk, like just don't even bother. And, you know, those are just the two sort of legendary restaurants there. There are many, many, many others that are crowded every night, as crowded as, you know, um, or nearly as crowded as places in New York. But, But I think that the rest of the environment really does kind of live up to the... Not the stereotype, but the notion that there's this nice combination between people who are really doing interesting things and the general vibe being kind of more laid back, like what you're describing of San Francisco. It does feel like there's this pressure. There's this pressure on the traveler to sort of make decisions amongst Mm -hmm. a lot of choices. And when you go to a place like Charleston, you don't feel it as intensely, even though you know that there are about as many great restaurants per square mile as there are in San Francisco. And I think also that affects other industries. I mean, it's not just restaurants, although that's a really easy example because there's so often lines. But if I visit a museum in another town, if I go to the Met, I feel like I'm supposed to spend five hours there. Like it's so big and there's so much happening. I honestly just end up feeling overwhelmed anytime that I go there because no matter what happens, I feel like I did it wrong for what it costs and for how big and expansive it is you feel like you have to do everything. And then there are towns where, because there are fewer marquee attractions and fewer things that are must do, you can really, really stop and enjoy all of them. And all of these smaller cities have one thing in common, that you can just wander around. Right. Yeah, that's true. You don't have to hit all the bucket list sites. You don't have to go to Statue of Liberty, Ellis Island, Top of the Rock, Empire State Building, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's another one that was almost on the list that I, I really want to go to is St. Augustine in mm-hmm. Florida. Yeah. Um, oh, I love St. Augustine. Really navigable downtowns, too, right? Yes. Like I think of Santa Fe when I you think of that, the plaza, right? You can just get lost and wandered. And that's, I think, why people love New Orleans so much is yeah. that it totally. really is all about just sort of stumbling around the streets. <laughs> well, um, I think that we're not talking about college kids going to Bourbon Street to get wasted, right? No. Like, that's not who are you Wait, you're only supposed to do that when you're in college? Well, no, I, I think it's fine to go to Bourbon Street and get wasted any time in your life. But but, but I think we all know, like those of us who have spent time in New Orleans know that, or have friends there or whatever, know that that's kind of the least, it, like it's charming and it's pretty, like take a walk mm. down it, fine, but it's not a place to hang out because it's not where the best stuff is happening in New Orleans. Right. And I think our survey takers know that as well. So I think that when they're saying New Orleans is a great place, I think that they are saying it for the same reasons Laura's talking about, which is that there are great art scenes and they are totally navigable in a way that a city like New York or Los Angeles is not because it's just too big and too intimidating and trying to parse it and dice it and say, I'm going to spend an afternoon and I'm going to only spend an hour or two going to this particular exhibit is very hard to do in this town. Unless you live here and then, you know, it becomes a different equation. Honestly, and even then, I, I mean, how many locals in New York have museums that they've never been to? I don't think I had been to the Museum of Natural History until I lived here for 10 years. And I think it's 
oh, it's always there. Oh, I'll go some other time. Oh, I'll wait until somebody's in town and they want to go. It's really easy to put it off and never do it. There is an antidote to the thing that you're talking about. This is a complete sidebar, but I got Twitter comments saying we should sidebar more on the podcast. So we're Eric, we're sidebarring. Um, <laughs> so there is an antidote to the, I feel like I have to go do everything at the Met and mm-hmm. that's a membership. And like we have corporate memberships, so it's actually easy to do, but there's also Hack the Met, which I love. Yeah, and you can go and spend 45 minutes there and just see the one exhibit that you care about, and that's actually a really great way to do it, and it takes all that pressure. Can I point Still, out, by the way, there's so much New York conversation happening for a city that didn't appear on a single one of the lists well, okay, that we've You know, it. maybe I chose let's to live here it. because it's not a friendly city. Let's stop it. Oh, unfriendly there's cities. Yeah. Oh, segue. Yes, there's <laughs> the counter theory. Okay, what were the unfriendliest cities? Lily, you get to do this Wait, one. Wait, guess. Oh, I don't have she has to me. guess. No, I just want you to guess. That would be an interesting... I mean, I feel bad for the number one city. I'm, I'm going to admit, I'm a Jersey girl, and this city keeps appearing on oh, the list yeah. year after year. Yeah. I used to work there. Yeah. There are two others that keep appearing, and I've spoken with They're tourism people. boards, too, and they want to know what they can do to make their city better. I mean, they're genuinely concerned at this point, and um, I think... Isn't There's anyone of- else like a grumpy introvert who just wants to be left alone sometimes? Like, why is that a problem? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the unfriendliest cities. Number 10, Baltimore, Maryland. Mm. Nine, Los Angeles. Wow. Yes, okay. that was a surprise this year. No, yeah. that's hashtag traffic. Well, yeah. it came in. It came in yeah, Is that was, what the I comments were saying? Is that what the it, feedback was? Uh, sh- you know, it's a little too shiny. A little pe- The same comments you hear from people who move there, too, is in the beginning, it's hard to get to know people and that yeah. you're not it's sure if you're getting... Kind the, of superficial. It's kind of yeah. superficial. And what are you getting at face value? Blah, blah, blah. All right. Let's go on with the list. We'll yeah. discuss in more detail. <laughs> Number eight, Wilmington, Delaware. Number seven, Dover, Delaware. Ooh, Ooh, Delaware what's in Delaware? Those two cities. Tax-free. I don't know what else. <laughs> Number six, New Haven, Connecticut, which I'm saying wrong. I think it's New Haven. <laughs> Number five, Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, man. Poor Mark Connecticut. Twain. Like, wow. Number four, Detroit. I, I don't buy Number that three, one. Number three, Atlantic man. City. Mm-hmm. I buy that one. Number two, <laughs> Oakland, California. And number one, Newark. Newark, again and again. I'm yeah, Newark. sorry, Newark. Doesn't Cory Booker, like, single-handedly, like, cancel all of that out? Like, he's the friendliest person ever. I know, he and really he's not is. there anymore. Sorry, Cory, you're the not there The arts complex is fantastic. I go there The Ironbound District is yeah. fantastic. But I, all people see is, you know, they see a sliver of it, and the sliver and they, they see. The see airport. And they see the airport. And it is not the best foot forward that New Jersey can put. No. And we look I'm at it surprised every day. about Atlantic City, mm-hmm. to be honest. Well, you know, it's kind of the dichotomy of Atlantic City. It's the high-low. It's that you block off the boardwalk. You might not feel that safe. And that, like, I don't know. It's seen better days, maybe in the 1920s. <laughs> Is it worth, I mean, and, and David, you talked to the... PR folks from from these towns, yeah. you know, and I, I mean, how do they think about it? Like, is it the kind of thing where if you just put a little attention into those first encounter parts of the city, like the airport, like the taxi services, like the paths, the entry points that people have, mm-hmm. public transit, whatever, that is the kind of thing that can get you off that list or can, you know, reduce your rank on that list or something? New Haven's a good example. It straddles 95 which we all know is a atrocious highway to mm-hmm. drive in, in any season. Yale is beautiful. Mm-hmm. There are some wonderful museums, but there is a financial divide, to put it mildly, mm-hmm. that is 
omnipresent there. And I think that and also speaks for Oakland. Yeah, as well. exactly. Oakland, and and then you have you have the extremely wealthy suburbs just north of Oakland, um, Piedmont, overlooking San Francisco. I mean, I think we have to address that fact that it's uncomfortable to see that side by side. And I think if you don't know what you're expecting, if it's the yeah. first time that you've gone somewhere and sometimes you turn one block the other direction, mm -hmm. everything looks different and you think, oh, wait a minute, where did I go? Yep. I don't recognize any of this stuff. It can be a really jarring feeling, yes. especially there are bad neighborhoods in New York where if I walk through them, I've been there before. I kind of know which subway stop I'm going to. It's not the greatest feeling, but I know how to, you know, how to move on. And in a new place, that doesn't always happen. Well, we yeah. do see a refrain of safety and feeling safe in a city is often what lands a city on an unfriendly list. Um, that's yes. especially true in our international list, which I know we'll get to eventually. But like, I think in this case, um, there are parts of Newark that still feel unsafe. There are corners. It's really just corners in Oakland. And the same thing for Detroit. You know, like there are such vibrant communities at this point in these cities. And there's a lot, a lot of great farmers, farmers markets. I sound like Portlandia. Um, <laughs> you know, well, not that that's the that category Detroit for Michigandia. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, at a, look at a twin city to Detroit which is Pittsburgh, which didn't make the list. Mm -hmm. And Pittsburgh is considered friendly. Mm -hmm. And yet it has the same downtrodden history, as it were. Right. I think Pittsburgh is the undiscovered gem of the next couple of years. We I think it'll, it should be on the friendliest list next year. Yeah, I agree with that. I also thought it was interesting. I was looking at both lists and trying to figure out if there was any kind of connection with being college towns. Mm -hmm. But we have some on both lists. I mean, on friendliest, we have Austin, University of Texas, Nashville. And yet on the unfriendliest, we have New Haven. So I don't know if having a college necessarily makes a huge difference. I think it has to do with what the percentage sort of size of the university or universities is comparable Compared to the rest to of the, the town. Mm -hmm. There have definitely been places that I went to where I felt like the oldest person around. And I thought, oh, this is a town made for like 22 year olds who are going out. But during the day, there isn't a ton going on. And I felt kind of left out. And I mean, just some of the psychology behind this, like these are people who have said, I want to review Hartford or I want to review New Haven or whatever. And I guess for me, in a case like what you just described, is that a city that you would go in and rate and say, I don't really love it. It wasn't very friendly. It wasn't great to hang out there during the middle of the day or to me, it feels like how much of the I had a bad experience in this place and I want to let people know about that, you know, like that. Kind I think of it has to be. I mean, if we're looking at sort of what makes someone leave a Yelp review of yeah, a restaurant. Mm -hmm, yeah. To me, it's an extreme experience in one direction or the other. I think this also happens with Internet comments. Sometimes you leave a comment because you really, really love something or because you're really, really upset by it. But the people who kind of nod and say, yeah, OK, never really right, stop and comment. Right. right. Like it was fine, didn't wasn't great, but I didn't have anything bad happen to me there. You're not going to rate that city. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Perhaps we should move on to the global list. And again, just calling I, out. I love we, this list. It's we my now thing. we now included for the first time U.S. cities in the world, which seems appropriate. You know, I've always felt like it was weird that we didn't do that before. We should just put a list together for everything. David does not agree with me, which uh, we're going to take that to the street. But why don't we run through this list and uh, let everybody... David, maybe you're a great person to do this one. Uh, the first thing that stands out is that although the UK is the number three most popular destination for Americans to go to after Canada and Mexico, London doesn't appear on the list, nor does Paris. 
<laughs> for obvious reasons. But um, <laughs> wait a minute. But, uh, we know. Come on. We we have to admit that. Well, let's 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 friendliest. hear it. I um, want to hear who does. Nor does Italy, which is so hugely popular, but it doesn't appear as a friendly place. All of the European cities that appear on this list are a cold. Hmm. They're not Latin countries. It's not Barcelona, Madrid, Rome, Athens. It okay, is that kind of surprises me. Edinburgh, Dublin, Bruges, Krakow, Reykjavik. This is really surprising. Yeah. These are so, these are cooler places, smaller places. But places where there are sort of young, very outward looking populations, right? Like think think of Reykjavik, Reykjavik right? Definitely. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Edinburgh. I don't know about Bruges. Fantastic. Yeah, Bruges, I mean, that's not surprising. Bruges is just because it's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So Krakow, I have, same, same. It's a nice David surprise. and I were looking over this list before, and I sort of noticed one thing. So primarily the people taking Reader's Choice are, would you say most of them are American, David? Yes. So assume that if you're going to go with a cliche about American people, they speak English and maybe not mm-hmm. anything else. How many of the cities on this list are let's say, primarily English-speaking cities? Of the world's, the top 20 world cities, including the U.S., only two, which would be Bruges and Krakow, are countries in which English is not predominant. I'm going to walk the list. Like, we haven't... Do we it. did it. We did Okay, I'm going to do it quickly. The friendliest cities. Number 20, Burlington, Vermont. Number 19, New Orleans. So, yet again, uh, and those are two American cities, so they're ranking really well. Jackson, Wyoming also made this uh, global list. Wellington, New Zealand at number 17. And pay attention to that. Okay. All right. We'll come back to that. 16 is Reykjavik. So you talked about that uh, for a second. I imagine we'll touch on that again. Auckland, New Zealand at number 15. Number 14, Asheville. So Asheville. And and David, after I'm done with this, you can explain a little bit how we sort of pull all these Mm -hmm. people together and, and do the numerics of the rankings because there is a methodology there. Number 13, Santa Fe, New Mexico. So U.S. City is showing up really well here. They're performing very well. Yeah, Austin, Texas. I'm sure there are lots of global cities not happy about that. But uh, 11, Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Did I say that right? Okay, we got schooled. Laura and I got schooled on that by... by, uh, Which one was it? Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming, yeah. Edinburgh. Like it sounds like Wilbur. Edinburgh. Yeah, he said... It sounds like, yeah, bro. He said, say it any other way, and then's fighting words. Yeah. <laughs> Number 10, Nashville, Tennessee. So, U.S. again. Yee. Number 9, Bruges in Belgium. And number 8, Krakow. Which is slightly odd because of that wonderful Colin Farrell movie. <laughs> You're thinking people should downvote it for that or upvote it for that? Definitely an upvote. I yeah. would go to that. Yeah. Yeah, look at Okay, Fantastic Krakow at number 8. Wonderful. Uh, to have in that. Poland. And number 7, Savannah. Number six, Galway in Ireland. So smaller town in Ireland. Park City, Utah. And uh, number four, Queenstown, New Zealand. Agreed. Agreed, agreed. Some outdoor folk there. Number three, Dublin. All right. Irish represent. And number two, Sydney, Australia. And number one, Charleston, South Carolina. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's nice is is the huge representation of Sydney, Auckland, Queenstown, Wellington. Um, and I and you've been. I hundred percent agree with these picks. I mean, I think one reader's story matched what a story I had in mm-hmm. Queenstown, New Zealand, which is small. It's not that huge. Again, these aren't big cities. I think Sydney is the biggest city on this it list. It is four point two nine three million. Yeah, and Queenstown. I, I mean, cabbies are the 
best humans. I'm going to say human, you know, on the planet. They will go out of their way to get you from point A to point B. They won't charge you. They will give you a history of the region, specifically in Queenstown, which is very much an adventure capital of the world. You know, people go there just to go um, skiing and bungee jumping and, you know, high speed river boating. And um, the cabbie we had got us from point A to point B and you know, when it took an hour because of traffic and they didn't charge us for the extra, like out of their way that they went and like, I don't know how they make money. I mean, they were so nice. And I think it's the same in Ireland, same in Iceland. It, it's a sense of people who like where they are and like sharing where they are. All right. So on top of that, so before the whole thing about English, the reason that I brought that up is I feel like a lot of my best travel experiences and a lot of the things that people shared in the survey are about chance encounters with a local, getting to know a really nice person, maybe someone at a restaurant who recommended a dish that wasn't on the menu. I love those kinds of experiences, and it is more difficult to have them in places where you don't have a common language. And it means that the people that you're more likely to interact with are people in the service industry, it's the person who works at your hotel, and it feels a little bit less personal that way. And I wonder, I don't know if this is just me spitballing, but I wonder if it's easier to have that when there is literally a common language. I don't know. I, I buy that. I absolutely buy that to a degree. But you could go to Ireland and not know the language and they could be singing a song in Celtic or something. And the feeling you get, the vibe you get are people who are just generally upbeat, smiling, you know, having a good time, welcoming of other people. That is an emotion that goes beyond language, right? So I think... True. And it's something you find, and Brad can attest to this, in Italy, wherever you go in Italy. First of all, it depends on where you go in Italy. And so if you think about the big, the big traveled towns, Rome, Venezia... Florence. You know, Milano, and to some extent Florence, although, you know, I think the thing in Florence is that a lot of the Florentines just desert the more traveled parts of town. They've, they've just given up, like they've walked away. I know that's not 100% true, but it, what it means is that the people that you encounter, if you are a traveler in Rome or in Florence or in Venice, tend to be people in the service industry, and there is... There is a legacy, I think, in Italy. I think this is less true in Spain, mm -hmm. but I think it's true in Italy and France. There's a legacy of, in the service industry, whether it's retail or whether it's food, of you as the business owner doing the customer a service by actually having the business. So if you go into stores in Italy, it's only in the last like 15 years that you didn't have to actually buy something to walk around and just sort of peruse stuff. It used to be convention that like you went into the store, you had to buy something. Sometimes there was even like an entry fee, like you'd pay mm -hmm. like whatever it was. It was however many lira to go in and walk around. And there's definitely a tradition of standoffishness, I think, even in Italy, where people are very friendly as a matter of like social course. But in the business world, I think there's a different attitude. And I think it persists in France and is less true when you get over to Spain. This brings up the fact that these cities that are highlighted, I think their populations are surprised that you've come to visit them. <laughs> I they're, think it might be interesting sort of like, to see. Like, oh, you made it all the way to Krakow. You made it all the way to Reykjavik. You made it all the way to Galway. It's you're not seeing the Mona Lisa in Paris. Well, you also you're not seeing David in Florence. You're you've actually sort of pushed the envelope out a bit, and you're like, oh, I'm I'm going to go here now. I always find myself wondering if some of the cities on the unfriendliest list 
what they're going to look like in 10 years if they continue at the tourism clips that they're getting. Is that feeling going to change? And Reykjavik really stood out for me. I was there about two years ago. And they're so excited by tourism. They're thrilled that people are coming. They felt like they had this reputation. Yeah, they felt like they had this reputation as a cultural backwater. And now they're getting so many tourists, they can't handle it. Mm -hmm. And locals were complaining to me about, oh, man, every single block has a new hotel going up on it. And also, uh, people can't move within Reykjavik. Locals, because of that, because of that, because yeah. people are Airbnbing everything, right, right. <laughs> so they're the inventory for for so just I a wonder, normal person. Yeah, I guess I wonder where it's, that shifts in places. You know, I think Paris isn't going to have to worry about tourism anytime soon. It's a fact of life for them. But what about a smaller destination that's really excited to have people visit? Gets you know is so nice to everyone. The word gets out that it's a great place to visit. And when does that number become untenable? Well, well, New how Zealand do you has the advantage of being so far from everything right. yeah. i mean i mean i think i think that's part of my little theory of wow you really did fly all the way here to see us and there's authenticity there too i think yeah. people aren't maybe yes some people in the tourism industry are trying to put their best foot forward but otherwise people are just like this is who i am you're here great welcome good to see right. you who are you you know right. well that and the who are you i think is part of i think it's coupled with what you were saying david which is that these are people who are genuinely curious mm-hmm. and when you talk about paris or you talk about any of the italian cities You've got people who have been dealing with tourists for generations and generations and generations. It's not a new thing, and it's sort of like just stand. It's like how we are in New York. It's like, yeah, okay, they're out there. They're running around doing their thing. We don't really care. But for some of these other places, the fact that somebody shows up from another place, they still have the capacity to be genuinely curious about Mm -hmm. where are you from and what's it like there and let me actually engage with you and sort of learn something and have an exchange. How many times have we traveled the world and – gotten into a cab and somebody said where have you from and you say new york and their yeah. eyes light yeah. up and they're like really yeah. <laughs> you live in new york and yeah it, it, it's a wonderful feeling well you guys make a good point about emerging cities and i hate to say emerging um it really just means that they are developing infrastructure that supports a greater number of tourists a greater number of western tourists let's be honest like we're dealing a lot with western tourists we're not even talking about eastern tourism at this point because beijingers traveling the world have might have different reactions there's not a single city in asia on this list no i know and which is here's my theory on that i think a lot of our readers are going to africa right now i really do i we've been talking about it a little bit in office and different countries in Africa are having kind of moments, so to speak, with, you know, we're sending more people to Rwanda, we're sending more people to Botswana, Zimbabwe Zimbabwe, is improving. Um, So we've seen more Africa, Middle East than we have Asia. And I think that is because of travel habits. I don't know that that's because of people thinking about these Asian cities and say, no, they're not quite friendly or unfriendly. I really think it's more people are going to, well, like if we, if we want to do the list for unfriendliest. And I, I think when we say these unfriendly lists, we should always say there's room for improvement Mm -hmm. and there's you know it's just it's impressions that people have and you know it may be totally different like Lalit said a year from now when more and more people are going but right now the 10th unfriendliest city was Doha in Qatar which is bigger and bigger right now because of its airport and Qatar Airways that's routing people through what it's known for yeah it's transit right maybe we'll get some World Cup related comments later on maybe Number nine was Lagos, Nigeria. Eight was Detroit. Oh, sorry, Detroit. Number seven was Maputo, Mozambique. Number six was Caracas, Venezuela, which was on our list as number one. Yeah, that was number one last year. 
Number five, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Wow. Yeah. Atlantic City. Crack the global list. Caracas. USA. <laughs> Number four, Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. Unfortunate, but yeah. Number three, Oakland, California. Yeah, wow. Oh, wait I, for I gotta it. I say I disagree with that, but I know it's the readers. Number two, Tijuana, Mexico. And again, perceptions. Right. Number one. Dun, 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 dun. Newark. Yeah. Newark again. Ow, Way mean, harsh. Really. Charleston and Newark, U.S. representing in all different ways. But I think you're right, Laura, in, the, in two ways. One is that a lot of these are places that people are passing through and that haven't mm-hmm. yet quite caught up with the fact that people are passing through and, and sort of built infrastructure around that in the way that, say, Toronto has or Reykjavik has, right? And then I think it's also just that people are not getting to know them well enough yet, you know? And as people kind of have more reasons to do that, these opinions will change. Uh, or, 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 David's or making they a won't. face. Or they Why won't. are you making a face on radio? What, yeah. What's the deal? We can't see your face on radio, <laughs> David. That's the sour, that's the I just bit into a lemon face. Tijuana and Newark are should be twin cities. Mm. I mean, they're, bord- they're, border- they're border cities, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, Newark is a border city. Tijuana is a border city. They're neither here nor there. What is Newark a border with? New York? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I but mean, I Tijuana, mean- in a very literal, different way, is a border city. And people were saying, we had other readers saying that the food scene and the craft beer scene in Tijuana are coming up. But it still we has have. decades of bad stereotype behind it, you know, in the same way that Newark does. So how much of this is is superficial? Like, let's be honest. Or, it, or is it safety? It, or is it? I mean, again, I, I don't think I, I think this is the question that I have about the psychology of doing a negative rating, because in order for somebody to have given a low rating and let's just remember that they've chosen to say something about this city. We didn't reach out and say, would you please say something about Newark? You know, they chose to sort of go that path. Uh, yes, you're asking about the methodology on this one. This one. Yeah. We do have tens, thousands, I should say, I won't exaggerate, of cities to rate on the Reader's Choice Award every year. Right. Were we to limit it, we might get different data. If we were to take Newark out of the, the playlist and Hartford out, and then we might have a, a, a different... Are you saying that someone has to rate it if they've only been there three times or more? Exactly. I mean, we could limit it. We could some, somehow corral it mm-hmm. so that we narrow down the reality as opposed to the just passing through. Like, I flew into Newark, hated it, so therefore I'm going to rate the city. Yeah, that, I, mean, I think, should be a disqualification because then you yeah. should just rate That's, the airport. I mean, because like, really, you should just Hartford rate the and New Haven, like, uh, people don't plan vacations right. to Hartford and New Haven, I right. don't think. Right. It would be like saying all of New York City travel. was Penn Station. <laughs> exactly. Which, yeah. Which I live 10 blocks away from, which is not <laughs> Which is nice. not the most pleasant way to begin your New York City experience. Right. No, right. nor right. are these new, um, sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off on a tangent here because I have to. Sidebar. I have to rant. Sidebar. Um, <laughs> these new Wi-Fi stands in, in Manhattan where you can listen to music and call 311 and... and have you seen these? Let's things? just no. pretend I know what you're talking about. What do they look like? I live in Brooklyn. I've never seen what you're talking about. Stonehenge. I've never seen one. That are on the really? I've never seen one outside of the internet. They're all over Chelsea. No, they are not. I've yes, they are. This. I mean, I might be looking down. Magnets for a whole oh, bunch of crazies. All right. Yeah, there are wait, more wait, crazies wait. in New York. They don't look than like ever. phone booths. They look like Stonehenge monoliths. Yes, they're Stonehenge. They're about twelve feet tall. No, I've never seen With TVs on both sides. 
And then you can plug in your phone or you can call 311 or you can, oh, you can do a gazillion things on them. Call 311 so that you can stay on hold for 45 minutes <laughs> yeah. while you anyway, sit there at the I'm kiosk. Just, I'm saying it, it, it was a gesture. I, I am rating New York low and, and this on does 311. tie into what we're talking about because it was an effort by the government of the city mm-hmm. to make it more friendly. That if you're lost or your cell phone is, is running out of battery, you can charge it. Unfortunately, it's gone the other direction. Hmm. It's now just a magnet for loony bins. Shady things, yeah. Very, I mean, that's fascinating. All right, not nice. Okay, so I'm saying family. It's not really a family. Cities are built on how you get around and your first impressions and how people respond to you as being an outsider. Mm -hmm. That's I think that's the most important. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Almost a good point to wrap up on. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I would love to know everyone's friendliest city here because we heard from our readers and we are kind of riffing on what our readers have said and taking comments and quotes from them. But like, what do you think is the friendliest city in the world? The elite. I don't know. I deliberately go to unfriendly cities. What is the unfriendliest city in the world? Paris, but on purpose. That's why I like it. <laughs> no, uh, friendly cities. A uh, bath was really lovely. I think London sort of suffers from big city syndrome. Like, it's just a mess. Everybody's on their way to work. It's too busy. You're not going to meet anyone. But uh, some of the smaller towns in London are or in Britain are so lovely. Definitely, Bath would be on my list. David, friendliest Tokyo. Ooh, such really? a surprise. And do you speak any Japanese? No. Okay, and so that that's a curious thing. It. The couple of times I've been there, I have felt like a ghost. You just float through the experience. But on those occasions in which you do need help, on the subway or on the street, people are, I hate to use the word, but they're, they're, they're so chuffed to be asked mm-hmm. something because mm-hmm. it breaks them out of their own little sphere mm-hmm. or big sphere. <laughs> and they're surprised by it that... I would come up to them and say, can you please help me find this place? It's, it's genuine. It's one of the most genuine places I've been to, aside from India. Genuine's a good word. Yeah. Authentic, it's just, genuine. It's authentic, and it's, it's kind, and it's calm, and mm-hmm. it's very proper. <laughs> and I like that. I don't know if I would use calm, but okay. It's very calm. Yeah, it's very low-key. Brad? Orderly. What about you? I'm going to give a bifurcated answer globally. (laughs) You have one minute. Surprise, surprise. I have one minute. That's fine. I can (laughs) can do it. I would say Austin, Texas, and Madrid. And I think in Austin, you know, I think it's people are very laid back. They love their city, and they want to talk about it, and they want to welcome you to it. And they are at the same time curious about you. I think in Madrid, it's just that there's this general, I found anyway, in spite of the fact that it's a big city and it has all of that, it's just so kind of habitable as a big city. And so people are kind of like, they're just sort of chilled into that vibe. And I found people super helpful and friendly. And there's not this effusiveness. It's not exactly that. It's more just like when you ask, like we would ask, we asked a guy at the hotel, like, how do we, you know, go to this sort of place? And he gave us this entire kind of like, he just went, sort of went out of his way, not just to answer the question, but to say a whole bunch of other stuff that was really helpful. 
But then I, I'm going to give a dark horse answer that everybody's going to hate, which is I think New Yorkers are actually thrilled to help people. No, think, don't tell anyone. No, I, I have. And, and before I moved here, when I was coming down here and looking for an apartment and all of that, I found people are gruff. People are kind of grumpy. People are, But people went out of their way to offer like advice, to give up a seat on the subway. They were just grumpy about it. They just they did. They weren't like, oh, please take my seat. They're just like, yeah, OK, sit down, you know, like whatever. But. <laughs> And I've seen people do this on the subway, and I've done it myself. You get on the subway as an out-of-towner, and you ask people, how do I get to this place? They will give you detailed directions. They will argue with other passengers. They will Mm -hmm. argue with other passengers about, like, what is the best way. That's what I said earlier about how much the cab would cost and how long it would take on the subway if they walked yeah, you know, I think we're. I we, think we will we, give them detailed we instructions. We will compete. It's a to little give bit you, of that. It's yeah. like, let me show you what I know. Like yeah. I know, yeah. but I know the best way. He knows a way. I yeah. know the best way. Yeah. I want to <laughs> echo the Madrid thing. Um, I agree totally, and I think they suffer from second city syndrome. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would specifically ask me why I had gone there instead of Barcelona. Mm. And when I told them specifically that I wanted to go to Madrid and that I loved Madrid, they were so excited. And I noticed the same thing in another city that definitely gets a reputation for being kind of cold and stuffy, which is Helsinki. But they don't get a lot of Americans there. They were so excited that I was there instead of in Stockholm because they feel like a very... (laughs) Oh, yes. They feel like a huge little brother (laughs) complex to Stockholm. And when I told them I had just flown only to Helsinki and that was where I was visiting, people invited me into their homes. They were so excited. They were lovely. This is a common denominator of all these cities on the list. And I, I, I say we got to get to Laura. No, but they're all places <laughs> in which the residents are thrilled to see you. Agreed. I absolutely. This agree. is what makes a friendly city. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, you came here. Laura, this is it. Laura, that's 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 the key. You're not getting off the hook. Queenstown, I already talked about in okay. New Zealand. Yes, and then Belfast, Northern uh, Ireland, oh. for yes. similar reasons that you said. Why are you here? Always want to go. And uh, short of them handing me to f- a fiddle to play in the band in the pub, like it was the most incredible, you know, lively, like warm experience that I've had. Well, I think it's it's a bad PR thing too. They feel like they've gotten a bum rap, and they want people to know that the city is different now. I went to El Salvador, and everybody just wanted to make sure that I knew that the war had ended some time ago, right. because they feel like that's the only thing anyone knows about them, and that's why people don't visit. So anytime you go to a place that has a bad reputation, people really want to show you otherwise. Mm-hmm. Great, Polo. All right. So that's going to do it for us this week. Don't forget to tweet in your agreements, your disagreements, your comments, your thoughts about this. And subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Please visit us at cntraveler.com. We are at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube. We are at CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and the Snapchat. Send us feedback. Review us on iTunes. We, um, we have started to get more and more input, and it's really great. Let's go around the table, tell folk where to find you, Laura. I'm at Laura underscore Redman on Instagram. I am at Lilit Marcus, L-I-L-I-T-M-A-R-C-U-S on Twitter and Lilit Goes on Instagram. David? I'm under a rock. (laughs) (laughs) Liar. Liar. It's a very attractive rock. David, <laughs> just just send letters to David Jeffries at Condé Nast Travel. Postcards. You, you, can, you can write them in pencil or chalk on a slate. <laughs> I am at Bradrick, and that's it. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Bye.